Alrighty, um, we're going to pray and open the scriptures together and listen to the work of the Holy Spirit as we do that. So Father, this morning as we open the Bible, as we open the scriptures, uh, just like your people have been doing for thousands of years, we join with that tradition of opening the scriptures and we ask that as we do that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to us and that you would transform us by the power of the written word. In Jesus' name we ask it and for his greater glory. Amen. Well, this morning uh, we're going to, when I asked if um, Bo could put this on the on the uh, computer there for me up at the sound desk I said oh he said what one is it I said oh it's the one that says bold and Corey was up there and he said what old I said no no mate that's your hearing and we'll pray for that but um, no bold we're going for bold not old although I tell you as people get older they do get bolder have you noticed that have you noticed that they get bolder as they get older and what and bolder (laughs) no that's not it's not an A, it's an O. It's an O, it's an O. Bold, bold. So um, this morning, I, I, I just want to take a little bit of time firstly to say what a wonderful testimony of a life transformed when Jerry shared his story of meeting Jesus last Sunday. Wasn't that a wonderful time? Just listening to that and being coming alive in that. You may remember some of the just the little one-liners that Jerry kind of dropped along the way that were actual nuggets of like gold from heaven, you know, in, in, in people coming alive to God. And um, just one of the, the, the one-liners was when Jerry spoke about, you know, the, the gospel is not about immoral people becoming moral or bad people becoming good. It's it's about dead people coming alive in Jesus. And I, I was just like, when, when he said that last weekend, it was like the Holy Spirit just washed through the room and people were drawn to Jesus. And it was a beautiful thing to watch. And if you haven't had an opportunity to listen to that, just jump online. Get onto iTunes, Vineyard Pine Rivers, or soundcloud.com, again, Vineyard Pine Rivers, and have a listen it's all free. Just have a listen. And you can even share that, the, the, the address and the link of that to your friends who might be looking for a good story in their faith journey with Jesus so, um, and need to be encouraged. So just get online and have a listen to that one. It's, a, it's just a beautiful story of how Jesus transformed a life. And um, if you want to hear some more from Jerry, uh, you can come along tonight. Jerry's teaching at six o'clock tonight at the six o'clock service, so feel free to come along and, and uh, be with us again here at tonight at six o'clock. Um, you know, when I first came into the kingdom of God and had a personal, um, I, the only way to term it is a case of open heart surgery with Jesus, because that's what he did. He came and and took an old heart and completely gave me a new heart. And in the process of that, Jesus took me from being a person who was rather prickly and rather um, uh, 
just angry at whoever for no real reason, uh, just because people were in my proximity. And, um, and he took me from being this prickly, angry character to someone who all of a sudden had a capacity to love people that I, I really honestly wouldn't choose to want to spend time with. But it, it, it was a work of, of Jesus coming alive in me. And all of a sudden, my life being exchanged for his life. And in the course of that, I became rather bold. I became rather um, active and engaged in making sure that when I was with people, you know, friends, new and old, I'd tell them what had happened because they were like, they could see something had happened just by the look or, or the, the, the posture of my life and the, and, and the, the, the way of my, even my face. You, you remember like the, the story in the Old Testament where Moses would meet with God in this tent and, and what would happen is Moses would come out of this tent and he's, after being with the presence of God, he's literally, his face was glowing. So much so that, that the people that he was doing life with said, hey man, put a bag on that thing. Put a bag on that head because that's too confronting for us, you know. But there was, there was that similar kind of an experience taking place for me where people were seeing on me a transformation of what was happening inside. It was an outward sign of an inward work of the Holy Spirit, of Jesus coming alive in me. And, and without necessarily even trying, I was rather bold about the fact that people could see something was different about my life. And so I would just use that as permission to tell people what they were seeing. And I'd just tell them fairly simply, well, I've met Jesus. He's changed my life. He's come and he's made this, you know, prickly angry kid, someone who can actually love people. And, and it's him. And I was rather bold about sharing him with people. And it didn't matter the situation. My work colleagues, I'd share it with my work colleagues. They, you know, they were not too fond of the idea of me meeting Jesus because either they're... they're, they're you know, their drinking partner or their taxi driver would no longer be available. So they were a bit upset that I'd met Jesus and this transformation was taking place in my life. And in the course of all of that, I actually learnt that just being bold about what's taking place in my life is actually just learning to be me, loved by Jesus. Me, loved by Jesus. Um, a couple of Sunday nights ago, when I was teaching here at, at our six o'clock service, um, I, I was sharing about how when we're young, when, I, when I'm saying young, I mean literally young, you know, in our sort of 10, 11 and 12 year age bracket, when we're young and even up to that point, we're impressionable, we're soft, we're impressionable. And we're, easy, we're more easily impressed with people and what we see or inspired by people around us or sporting heroes or whatever or the family next door that impresses me, you know, sort of thing. But we're, when we're young, we're very impress, you know, impressionable and we can, be, we can be soft to people. But through the course of life, 
as we get on a little more and we go through some of the harder things of life, of be it um, unemployment, a health issue that just won't seem to get healed, failed relationships, economic hardships, um, just where we've had to walk through some of the tougher stuff of life, that young, impressionable, soft person becomes cynical and hard. And the further we go on, the harder it is to maintain a soft impress to be and, and to be impressed by, by God and his work in other people. And we become more cynical and hard. It's, a, it's, a, it's, quite a, it's quite a confronting journey. The older we get, we get confronted with things. And even in the context of that, we no longer tell people about Jesus like we once did. We no longer tell Jesus, people about Jesus like we once did. We stop talking about him. Well, I think that the Holy Spirit would want to draw us into a fresh encounter with Jesus this morning. You know, many of us in this room, we've had to confront things in our journey with Jesus. We've even had to resist things in our journey with Jesus. Not resist things from Jesus, but we've had to learn to resist things in our relationship with Jesus. We've even you know, participated in things that have been for our own selfish gain or for our own honor, uh, um, dishonest financial dealings or we've just, you know, let the cravings of our flesh drive us and we've just yielded to addictions. Whether we've, um, you know, lusted in our heart toward another person or the things that they have. Whether we've yielded to the power of porn, whether we've given ourselves over to infidelity both in our heart, in our thoughts and in our choices. These, these, these things we've all, I'm looking at you all and you know, we've all got these common stories that we've had to walk through in our journey of trusting Jesus. But in the process of that, something can happen and often does where we no longer remain soft and alive to God, but we actually become cold and bitter and hard. Some of you in this room have had to deal with, you know, abuse on many levels, physical, emotional, spiritual. Some of you have, have had to deal with demonic attack, both from external realities and also your own demonization issues where you've been struggling with the power of the demonic that have resided within you in your journey with Jesus setting you free. You've had to work through these things. Some of us in this room have had the death of a loved one or a friend. Some of us in this room have had poor health and sickness. And there's many of us in this room where we have sought to reach out to another with our story and love of Jesus, only for those people to choose to disassociate from us because of our love for Jesus. 
I just want to let you know that your experience and my experience in all of that is exactly what the disciples walked through. And it's written right through the book. And you are not alone in this journey. But I do want to encourage you that this morning, as we read the scripture in a moment, you will see that it was a visitation and a work of the Holy Spirit that helped those disciples walk through all that stuff and still remain soft, alive to God, and sharing Jesus with the world. And so we're going to do that in a moment. So today, I think God wants to bring a recovery of kingdom boldness to the body of Christ. Um, I mean, you know, that the church would not be an insipid, weak, quiet, sit down, be quiet and get in the corner movement, but that we as the people of of God in the earth would continue to sprout and articulate the good news that the kingdom of God is at hand for people. Um, there's, um, if you've got your Bible with you, uh, open it up to uh, Acts chapter 4, and I'll just give you a little bit of backstory here. A little bit of backstory. So here we are, um, Peter and John, two of the early disciples. These guys have just you know, been through the experience of the Holy Spirit being poured out and people coming into the kingdom of God. And these guys are seeing God move with power, with signs and wonders and healing. And in fact, in Acts 3, in the lead up to Acts 4, these guys were on their way to, to, to prayer at 3 in the afternoon. And um, so they're on their way to the temple for prayer. And on their way, they see a guy who's begging there at this gate called Beautiful is the name of the gate. It's a pretty cool place, eh? Where am I going to meet you? I'm going to meet you at the, the gate called Beautiful. And in fact, something really beautiful did take place that day. And this guy was begging. And, and um, Pete and John see this guy who's been crippled and he was reaching out to them for money, for give me some coin. I, you know, this is my life. I'm a beggar. And... These guys just look at him and they say, we don't have it. We don't have what you want. We don't have the coin. But let me give you, we will give you what we do have. And what we do have is Jesus. And so in Jesus' name, and I love it if you read it in the scripture, they just give a one-word command. One-word command. They look at the circumstance of this guy who's never been able to walk and they just say to him, walk. That's how they prayed. One word prayer. You don't walk? Walk. Walk. Now, I reckon anyone can learn to pray like that. It's not full of words. It's not full of flower. It's not full of anything other than they know who they are and what they're about and the power that's on them to do it. So they heal this guy. He gets up and walks. I mean, it's, it's all written in like two verses, the space of two verses, but I reckon it was probably a pretty loud and dramatic experience. Someone who's never walked, all of a sudden, power and life and strength coming into their frame, and they're up and wobbling and walking for the first time. Like, could you imagine the laughter, the tears, the cheers, the, oh, my God, did you just see that guy? Ah! I mean, it would have been going on. And so these guys are doing all that. And the next thing you know, Pete and John are 
the religious police at the temple. Now you've got to understand it's, it was the, 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 the religious police. They're going, hey, we've got to shut this guy down, these guys down. They're causing all sorts of trouble. And they, they stepped in and took these guys to prison because there was a small group that had a lot of power and control. And this small little group that had power and control, they hated the fact that Peter and John, not, not that they healed the guy. If you read the story properly, they're really cranky and they put these guys in prison overnight because they were proclaiming something. Not because they did something, but because they were teaching a radical new teaching. And the radical new teaching was this. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. And these guys, this particular power group, believed there was no bodily resurrection. And so they, they were like, all, my, all of a sudden, their power and their grip on the people was being broken because Pete and John were proclaiming, uh, good news, there is a resurrection from the dead through the person of Jesus Christ. And so in the end, these guys go to prison. They're in prison, and they're, it's an overnight job. And then all of a sudden, they get hauled in front of like this um, interrogation room. Now, if you think about it, you know, using the movies, an interrogation room is a small room with a, you know, a dark window where people are sitting behind it. And it's just in this room. Well, there was probably around about 70 people in this interrogation based on the numbers and who was involved and all that. So it's not like a little quiet thing. There's probably about 70 people in this room or this space, wherever it was, and they were interrogating Peter and John. And the first thing they ask them is this, by what power did you heal that guy? Now, what they were really saying, what they were really saying is, whose authority are you using here? Who gave you permission to do this? They're not really interested in the fact that there was an actual demonstration of power of the kingdom of God. They're not interested in that. They want to lynch these guys because they're preaching the resurrection from the dead. And they're saying, who, who, whose authority are you preaching this new preaching? And they go on and they tell them, there's no other, we're doing it because God's told us to do it. In the name of Jesus, his holy son, his holy servant. So they do that. And then they send them back to the stocks. And then they say, right, what are we going to do with him? This interrogation group. What are we going to do with him? Well, the best plan, the best plan they could come up with was this. Let's tell them to stop it. That was it. That was it. That was all they could come up with. Let's tell them to stop it. And so they did. They told them, brought them back in. They said, now you, you guys, you're getting let go, but stop it. Don't, don't do that. And then these, Pete and John just reply with a sense of, hey, listen up, guys. We're going on a higher authority here. We're operating in the name of our God, and we'll go about doing business that way. Thank you very much. So they get let loose. They get set free, and this is where we pick up at Acts 4, and they're coming to hang out with the church, with the gathered people of Jesus in Jerusalem. Okay, so that's the backstory, and here they come. 
On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, that is the people, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you've made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, David, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against the holy and anointed one. Inherit. So this is all toward God. They're just articulating this back to God. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. And they did what your power had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, dig this. So they've set the... Now, God, all that's taken place and you know that. And we're just reminding you of who you are as the one who's made everything and nothing's outside your grip. So have you ever had to pray like that to actually put yourself into the right worldview? It's a good way to put yourself into the right worldview. Actually pray to God his worldview brings you into it. Now look at their response. I, this, is a, this is a great response. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I mean, you've got to understand, these, that kind of prayer, that's like, okay, we're stepping up to the line here <laughs> type of prayer. That's, I mean, these guys have just come out of prison for doing this very thing and they've been threatened and told to stop it, cease it. And what does the church pray? Well, the church doesn't pray this. The church doesn't pray, oh God, what are we going to do now? Oh God, what are we going to do? The church doesn't pray like that. The church actually steps forward into their confessed worldview that they believe God is the maker of all things and has revealed himself to them in in his holy servant and son, Jesus Christ. And they're stepping into the revelation of the power of the worldview of God. And as they step into it, they pray a prayer like, hey, God, you know what's going on. We know what's going on. Now give us more boldness. Don't let us be shut down. We won't be shut down. Our voice will not be silent and our activities of Jesus will not be stopped. Give us more That's the prayer of the church. Who's praying like that? Who's praying like that today? Give me more, God. Put me in places of risk. Give me opportunity to show your greatness through the Holy Servant, your Holy Servant, my Saviour, Jesus Christ. Put me there, God. Perform great, Lord, when we put our hand to people. Stretch forth your power. Demonstrate yourself. Back our act when we choose to, in obedience, 
speak words of life to people of our own story and they choose to reject us or tell us to flick off. God, give us more. We want more boldness. Don't let this shut us down. Now, note this. This is all taking place in the context of they. T-H-E-Y, they. They gathered, they prayed, they lifted up their voices together. They called out for the power of the Holy Spirit. They, the context is they. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now to put some actual framework to that last little paragraph there, if you were here on the 8th of November last year, that Sunday morning, as we gathered, as we prayed, as we worshipped, and as we invited the Holy Spirit, you may remember that there was a massive um, move of God in the room. And what happened as one young lady was articulating out loud a prophetic word from God, and she said, I see God striking the ground like lightning. And as soon as that word had finished on her lips, an almighty clap of thunder literally happened and shook this entire building. And was I the only one there? No. This is what it looks like. That's what it looks like on that scale. When a massive building, I don't know however big this thing is, shook under the weight of the Holy Spirit, and signs and wonders as we met together, they. I want to just touch on this issue of boldness because literally what they're talking about there is just being open and frank about your life. Not, not living with, okay, I'll tell you this part of my story, but I'm going to conceal this part of my story. It's, there's, there's no concealment in this word boldness. It's an unreservedness, and I would almost want to say an, an unapologetic approach in our speech. Your story of Jesus is your story. Don't let the people around you saying, stop it, be quiet, shut you down. It's your story. They don't have permission to tell you what to do with your story of Jesus. The last few years of walking life with Caitlin as she you know, went through her high school years and she's now off into university, she would often come home to me and she would say, you know, Dad, uh, you know, there's a lot of hot topics talked about today again in the, in the you know, the playground, in the lunch, <laughs> lunch break, whatever they do. And I say, okay, so like what? What are we talking about here? She's like, oh, Dad, everyone's just like marriage equality. Let everyone be married. Doesn't matter. And every time I sort of say, well, actually, you know what? I don't believe that. I actually believe that marriage is meant to be a relationship between one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others for their whole life. And she said, and Dad, every time I do that, I get roasted. I mean, verbalised by her so-called friends. And she said, Dad, I just want to shut down when they do that to me. 
because I know what's going to come if I say, well, this is what I think Jesus would want. And I tell you, my, me and Nick, our biggest challenge has to be actually giving our children the tools of the, the confidence of knowing who they are in God, that they are free to exercise their authority to speak their belief system and their belief structure into the world. Even though the world will often and does shoo them away for that. And I'm sure some of you in this room have experienced that because you've said, well, actually, I believe, and then the next thing you know, people disassociate from you. See, the message of Jesus, it's life to some, and Paul talks about it as well. He actually says to some, it's death, and they can't stand it. Because the reality is that the life of Jesus actually forces us and brings us into answering some questions about who is he, what does it mean for him to be resurrected, and what's the implication for my life? So watching Caitlin navigate this stuff has been a really, um, it's, it's been, just been a really, I would want to say, a great experience because if you know anything about who she is, she's very straight, like as in straightforward, straight down the line, with her thoughts, with her thinking. She is very justice-orientated. She has a heart that just says, that is not right what's happening to those people, and she will step in to action justice for the case of others. I mean, it's like, as much as she gets roasted all the time by her, her, her cultural groups, she just keeps stepping forward where she sees injustice. I just love that about who she is because it's Jesus in her. It's Jesus alive in her. And I, the one thing, you know, and sometimes she's so bold, it's kind of like, hey, I'm your father, don't forget that, you know. She's really learning to be who she is in Jesus and tempered by the Holy Spirit. She's not offensive at all. But when people start talking about Jesus, don't be surprised if people take great offense at that. Boldness is what came upon James, uh, John and Peter. Boldness is what the church is praying for. Boldness is what God gave the church in reply to their gathered prayer. Boldness is not about power. It's not about aggression in the face of cultural and spiritual opposition. Hear me in this. Boldness is a confidence and a freedom that we have the reality of a living Savior, the Son of God, alive in us to share with the world. That's what boldness is. How the world responds, how people reply, is not our responsibility. That's in their court. That's in their court. Boldness is the courage to share out of our willingness, having met Jesus. Having met Jesus. And boldness is not that we do not experience times and moments of discouragement and, or fear, but it's in those moments that we trust Jesus to be Jesus. 
and we share his story of goodness with others. Um, I just want to, I read this quote during the week and I think it's a cracker. Particularly for us in the West, I, I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote it, but he says, we have become a people, he's talking to the church in the West. He says, we have become a people whose garages are full, uh, a people of full garages and empty souls. Hello? <laughs> Hello? We live in a context of consumption and materialism. Every advert, everything, it's all trying to appeal to you and me to say, consume, consume, consume. You must have this, otherwise you are not a real person. You need these, otherwise you won't be happy. You need to have this much in your bank account to feel like your life is secure. I mean, you've got to win gold lotto before you can dance like no one's watching, apparently. So, I mean, the, but, but this is what the West has, has taught us. And unfortunately, I think that both materialism and consumption are the very things that prevent us from actually living the devoted life of boldness in Jesus. Boldness is a Holy Spirit-fueled devotion. And if you read a little bit earlier in Acts chapter 2, after the Spirit's poured out and people are coming to Christ and they gather together in Acts chapter 2, it says, they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles or to the reading of Scripture, to the breaking of bread and fellowship, and there was no one in need. They were generous with their resources. It was this kind of lifestyle. Now, when we say that word devotion in the Christian context, everyone starts to automatically default to alone time, me quiet with a book and with God. We need to redefine devotion because that's not what devotion looks like in the New Testament. What the devotion looks like in the New Testament is that they gathered together. They lift up their voices together in God. There was no one needy among them. They sold their homes. They gave the resources to the work of the local kingdom activity in God. They, 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 they. That is the devoted life. They devoted themselves to Now, I'm not saying personal devotion life with Jesus isn't important. Of course it is. But I think our understanding of what devotion really is needs to be greatly broadened. And the way to do that, start selling the stuff and stop making investments in filling our garages. Just stop it. And start making investments in people, in children, in lives, and empowering people to be able to heal the sick, cast out demons, feed the poor, baptise people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, to get on planes, travel the world, go to strange groups where you can't even speak their language and watch God use you to touch them with the message of His good news. Let's start emptying the garages. That's what the church looks like. Empty garage, full soul. Not the other way around. Empty garage, full soul. I, I like that quote. Whoever said that, you, you can take that home. You can write that one down, take that one home. The devotional life they had together was that they would read Scripture together. They would fellowship together. They would break pre- bread together. 
which is a covenant meal that Scott was talking about this morning. They would pray together, they were financially generous together, and they would meet together. That's what devotion looks like. They. They. I think this morning, um, that might be a bit small. I know that's not. And in this season of the risen Jesus that we celebrate, the resurrected Jesus that we celebrate, even like a couple of weeks ago, Scott was using the scriptures out of Revelations 2 about how Jesus would visit the Ephesians church, the church of Ephesus, and it would talk about how Jesus would even literally walk among the lampstands. Like when they get together, people were actually like, there's Jesus, there's Jesus, I see him. They were actually seeing the manifestation of Christ among them as they gathered. When we come alive, both personally and together, we live a life that speaks of Jesus, both in our words and our works. I don't have much, but what I give you is this. I give you Jesus, Acts 3. There was a reliance upon the Holy Spirit, Acts 4. There was a willingness to follow Jesus into new places of faith and risk. Imagine what it was like for Peter and John for the first time going to church on their own at three in the afternoon without Jesus there, but filled with the Spirit and they see a guy lame. I, I, I guarantee you there was some internal conversation going on. What are we going to do with this guy? What am I going to do, Jesus? What are we going to do? And then the guy reaches towards them and actually interrupts them going to, going to prayer. <laughs> he reaches and draws them into a risky circumstance. And so what do they do? Hey, we're going to go with the model that Jesus taught us. We're going to go with that prayer of command, just like when Jesus stood in front of the tomb of Lazarus, who was dead. And Jesus stood in front of that tomb and he spoke into the tomb and he said, Lazarus, come out and pray. And at that prayer of command, Lazarus rises to new life and comes out. These guys lean on that prayer model. Person can't walk. What are we going to pray for? Well, they need to walk. So how do they pray? Walk. There's a willingness for God to place us in places of risk. I mean, I just, these days I find it hard to go shopping at Woolworths without stopping and praying for a person. Because there's so many people walking, hobbling, walking on, in, on crutches or sticks or walking frames or injuries or moon boots or, I mean, that's everywhere. It's like, as Robbie Dawkins would say, it's like low-hanging fruit ready for the picking. You can't help but notice it. It's right there. What are we, what are we bringing to people in these circumstances? A resurgent love for the, the place and the participation in the life of the church. Gathered prayer comes alive. And obviously there's a calling of the Holy Spirit to come and be with us. I love that prayer 
that those guys prayed. But did you note the very last thing, that last sentence that back there? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Who did the speaking of the word of God boldly? All of them. All of them. Not just the apostles. The scripture goes on to talk some more. Luke records a few more of the actions of the apostles going out, doing signs and wonders. But it says it very clearly right there in that verse. All of them spoke the word of God boldly. Now, why am I sharing all this this morning? Well, A, I think it's on the heart of God. But B, we are, I tell you, we're living in a time where people are trying to shut down the voice of Jesus all over the place, in so many spheres. We're allowed to talk about everyone, every other religion, every other faith group, but we can't talk about Jesus. He's being shut down, shut down, shut down. And it's, it, this, this is not new to God, Okay? It's been going on since the book of Acts, and even earlier. But this is the context in which we're living, even more so as our nation struggles with its identity. But let, let, let us not, as the church, struggle with our identity. Let us, like, understand who we really are in Jesus Christ and the message that we actually have to give the world of good news. And I... I believe that even as, you know, we're meeting here this morning, there is a sense in the heart of God that new boldness would come upon all of us, all of us, all of us, that we might speak our story of Jesus in this season to the people God brings along our way, that we might move the authority of signs and wonders. And you know what? you may find yourself in some context where people say, hey, you can't talk like that. You can't speak like that. Well, actually, I can. My story is my story. And I'm free to speak it. Now, that's the other thing. Point C, there is, and this is, I want to call you as the body of Christ to prayer because there is an issue of the freedom of speech that's on the table right now in our nation. There is an issue of freedom. It's, it's going on in our Senate, in our federal parliament. I mean, it's on. And that word boldness is all about the freedom of speaking freely, literally. It's a freedom of speech an unapologetic freedom of speech. I believe God, there's, a, there's, a, there's an anointing of the Holy Spirit, there's a grace of God that is on the church to pray for this very issue in this season. Pray for it, please pray for it. Whatever the results are of the wise people that run our nation... Whatever they choose, whether you know they want to completely shut down on the freedom of speech or not, don't let that be the, the deciding factor of our lives. <laughs> our lives are bigger than that in Jesus. Our lives are way bigger than that in Jesus, okay? 
continue to be the people of the kingdom of God who have got good news for a world that's hurting. In this season, I want to invite us all to again consider what stock we're carrying and where we're carrying it. And if our soul is empty and our garage is full, in the name of Jesus, I invite you to please reconsider the devotional life of being a part of the body of Christ. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Um, I just had a sense like, um, and I know this is, this is something very real for me as well. Uh, so as I'm sharing this, you know, I, whenever I'm invited by the Holy Spirit to reach towards someone, I have this little series of palpitations that begin to take place. I usually get sweaty in my hands and my heart starts racing and then I try and work out what's going to happen in advance so that I can have a sense of, like, maybe I can control the outcome or something. But it's, it's just, it's my response to what God's inviting me into. And a lot of the time, that anxiety or that palpitation that starts to build up is also the work of the enemy wanting to shut me down from actually going through with what God's putting on my heart. Does anyone else know that feeling? And they're reaching towards people or they want to share with people that feeling? You know, I, I just feel like it's that, at that very level the Holy Spirit wants to minister this morning. He wants to minister and reach into that sense of anxious response to God's invitations to reach towards people. So if, you, if you're familiar with that, that feeling, that sense of, oh God, yeah. and, it, and it has shut you down somewhat, we, we want to pray for you this morning for a visitation of the Holy Spirit that you can be free to be who you really are in Jesus Christ. So if, that, if that's for you this morning, hey, do you want to just, right where you are, why don't you just, um, why don't you just stand up where you are and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you just now. just close your eyes and put your hands out in front of you and and this is you before your God with the people of Jesus around you welcoming the Holy Spirit Holy Spirit would you just come and begin to minister into that that part of our being of our heart where we have been shut down from sharing you with other people You know that part in all of us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you now. Come, Holy Spirit. Just release your manifest presence, just the warmth and the power and the presence of your love. 
just like in the book, Lord, they could feel your presence. Let your manifest presence just rest on us, hearts, minds, bodies. In Jesus' name, come Holy Spirit. That's it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Just welcome God. I just stay in that posture for a moment. I just want to pray something over, over the top here. Father, in the name of Jesus, we declare you are good. We declare that you are good. You are the maker of heaven and earth. And all things hold together in your Son, Jesus Christ. We make that proclamation and release that power over the people of God, both here in this building and right across our nation. It's a big, bold prayer, but God, that's what we want, to pray boldly by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are good, God. You are so good. And we ask for your kingdom to come today into the body of Christ afresh. In Jesus' name we pray.